What is a player profiler faithful? It's Matty and Welcome to another episode of the game plan. First and foremost, please subscribe to the player profiler YouTube channel, like this video, and leave a comment on how my man Billy's projections are going to win you your 2023 leagues. Yeah, that's right. I usually like to tease our guests, but I can't today because we are here live in person. KC player profiler draft house. Billy Muzio in the house, the director of operations here at Player Profiler, one of the best rankers of all time, and a pilot, believe it or not. So he will take you through the clouds, literally and figuratively, in fantasy football. Billy, what's going on, my brother? Oh, I'm excited to see some more landing spots today. We've had a, a lot of fantasy-relevant players yesterday being selected and going off the board, going to teams, some impacting veterans, some just impacting their 2023 campaign. Uh, excited to talk to some of the players here today and help these uh, listeners figure out who they want to draft uh, inside their 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 fantasy drafts, their best ball drafts, because there are some best ball candidates that still have some relevancy. And then let's let's just run into the projections. Let's look at the numbers. Let's do it. But before we dive in, I always like to surprise the guests with a couple of questions. First, how long you've been playing fantasy football, and second, how would you describe your fantasy management style? I have been playing fantasy since 2000, um, so a little over 20 years now. Um, my fantasy style is, um, oh man, that's, that's, that's a good question. I, I definitely say I'm very risk adverse. Um, so I'm, I'm willing to take chances. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm willing to, to build unique rosters because I'm a volume player. I'm a volume drafter. Uh, you know, I've maxed out several tournaments already. I'll max out, uh, the two or three more underdog tournaments. I'll max out the FFPC best ball tournaments. Uh, and then we start kind of diving into conventional kind of uh, high stakes leagues. You know, mm -hmm. we're talking about 3K, 5K, 10K leagues. Right. Um, and those, again, risk adverse. But when we get that many builds and we're in 150 best ball teams and we're in just one tournament and we're in another 150 here, we want to build rosters that are unique. Right. And, and we're building things that are even off the wall sometimes. Right. We're going, you know, six straight wide receivers before we even touch another position. We're going oh. sometimes five straight running backs before yep. we touch a position. We're going double running back or, or double tight end in the beginning. We're doing double tight end, double quarterback, right? We're right, building just right. these all sorts of unique and, and very crazy at times rosters to try mm -hmm. to hit that 1%, that 2%, right. to take it to the top and try to win $2 million or $1 million, whatever the prize is. So I guess my fantasy strategy is I'm, 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 I'm risking it for the biscuit. Risking it for the – oh, I like that because sometimes <laughs> I think a lot of the, the home leaguers, like uh, the game plan is really suited to help a lot of the home leaguers as well as the high-stakes guys. But the high-stakes guys like Billy have a whole lot of information, but we're trying to get it to the casuals here. And I think a lot of people get a little too risk-averse, a little too much, but that's why a lot of teams, you know, they finish third a lot of the time, yeah, right? If, if I'm in a home league, you know, I'm building pretty standard, right? We're, yeah, we're, yeah. We're building probably two running backs pretty early. We're going, you know – two, three receivers pretty early. Standard. Standard, right? Yeah. And and so, because we're not in a tournament, we're not trying to beat, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 people. We're just right, trying to beat right, 1,100 right. individuals. And so, home leagues, we can do, you know, stuff a little bit more conventional. We can we can really hone in on numbers. That's when it really matters yeah. because now, instead of trying to beat out all those people, all you got to do is beat the guy next to you, you know? And, right. And, and, and you're going to get a championship, so. And then you can talk all the smack in the world when you use these projections <laughs> to dominate your home leagues, baby. So we have day one, day two in the books. We have been here in Kansas City, boots on the ground, live at the Player Profiler Draft House. It's been an absolute blast. So we're going to go ahead and talk about Billy's early 
2023 projections, and you can get ahead of it as you're game planning for draft season in just a few months. First question, how heavily should fantasy managers rely on a particular set of projections? So I think I like to use projections more as like a guidance, right? And it's, it helps me. It's kind of like the deciding factor. And, and it definitely plays into to the rankings. You know, rankings also have to consider where the ADP is going. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm looking at a guy, and I like two guys equally right, from a talent perspective, right? Right. The landing spot comes in. We have someone like Addison who lands in Minnesota. We have someone like Jason who lands in Seattle, right? This is where the projections matter because although we can all agree that Jason was probably the superior talent. Right, for sure. The landing spot inside Minnesota in an offense that is a top eight expected pass volume offense, Mm -hmm. now we know that he's going to see somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 to 100 targets. Right, right. Where Jason's not even going to sniff that this year. No, Lockett's still in town, DK Metcalf, et cetera. Yeah. Zach Charbonnet now? Oh, my God. still Walker, right? And so – this is where projections matter. And this right. is where you need to say, hey, I need to separate myself from just dynasty. Or if this is dynasty, then this is a completely different conversation. But if this is redraft, we, we have to consider year one projections and we have to lean into the better situation. We have right. to lean into what offense is going to pass more. If you're running back, what offense is going to run more. And, and it, it does matter. So I'd say, how heavily do I, I, I rely on it? And I'd say pretty heavily. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's a deciding factor for me. It's a big deal, right. And I think that's a way to get an edge in home leagues, especially your casuals, because you know the rankings, they'll take a certain source and they'll run with it, whereas your projections give you a clearer picture right, of what to expect from a given player. And the perfect example that you just used, Addison versus JSN, right? Jason, obviously, everyone loved him. You know, the, yeah. the number one receiver off the board goes to a good landing spot. But we're looking at him more as a dynasty asset as opposed to the 2023 asset, right? Yeah, and you can look at the look at the tight end position. I know tight end rookie tight ends are usually you know pr- pretty pretty challenged to hit any fantasy relevancy in their first year, anyways. But when you have players like Kincaid and Mayer who are superior talents, and then you have Laporta where he lands. Laporta lands in Detroit where they don't have another tight end, right? They James Williams just got suspended, right? He's going to be gone six games. This opens up a window for him to see right. some decent amount of targets in his rookie mm-hmm. campaign, and so. You have to consider all these pieces, and right, like we we knew that Kincaid was, you know, a little bit better of a talent. The landing spot, say, oh, it's Buffalo, right? Yeah, but he's still playing behind Knox. He's still right, right. And so you, we have to consider all that we're doing the projections, you know, and and there's it's, it's a lot of moving pieces, and to be able to see it on paper, and to be able to have you know the, all the numbers tell you the truth. Yeah, I guess I'm just a numbers guy, man. What is what, what's the saying? Uh, women lie, men lie, but numbers don't lie. Exactly. Right, and the numbers don't lie. And I gotta give you and Dario so many props. I mean, you guys have your projections coming out, pick by pick. It's like we kick it to the projection corner. You guys are ready to rock. Although upstairs, when we're rocking and rolling, the vibes are high. We're expecting high projections, and then you guys, we just kick it to you guys, and you're very, very conservative, which I think is smart. I keep yeah. hearing the word mean projections. Yes. What are mean projections? It, it's essentially like middle of the road right, right it's right, like right. there's three sets of projections that i do in a season i do mean projections or like the average right mm-hmm. and then i do like ceiling projections right and then i do floor projections and somebody like kincaid may have a higher ceiling projection right with josh allen mm-hmm. right maybe they phase out dawson knox there's a lot of different scenarios or paths to success i'm a poker player so you have outs outs right right and so we have outs that are going to give us a chance at really hitting a home run with Kincaid just because the offense is explosive. Where mm-hmm. Detroit, although we like the offense this year, it's it's not 
Josh Allen. It's not right, exactly. It's and not Josh so, Allen. So like that that ceiling projection is a lot lower for reporter than it would be for like Kincaid or like use the receiver. Now we talk about Jason. Now we talk about talent, right? Mm-hmm. Ceiling projection. What happens if Lockett starts to get phased out? What happens? Right. What happens if the, if he comes in immediately steps in number two position? Right. We're not expecting it, but hey, from ceiling output. Now you have JSN number two role in an offense that still, you know, was fairly efficient last year. Certainly. And so it's nice to have all three high, you know, medium and then low. And then you go through and it's a really down day when you start doing those floor projections. <laughs> so you should be happy yeah. with the mean projections. Yeah, we'll take it because, you know, do you, how do you pepper your teams? Now if you're doing your team build. You have your three projections laid out in front of you. Yeah. Do you try to like put a smattering of highs, means, Maybe a couple of lows to kind of hedge where you're at in terms of value. Or you go strictly mean or strictly ceiling. How how did you go about that? I think it depends upon the format you're in. Like if we're in a home league, I'm probably sticking a little bit more mean. I'm, I'm I'm trying to get some 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 ceiling plays in there. I'm, I I think it also depends on the veterans that you're selecting. Right, right. You're going there over like let's just say that you get a Jefferson. You know he's going to get consistency. You know he's going to get the the targets, the touchdowns. He's he's kind of the ceiling and just in general, right? But he's also a floor. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you get to like round, let's just call it round five or six. And you're deciding between a veteran who may be getting you, you know, consistently seven, 800 yards, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe 900 yards, maybe a handful of touchdowns, or you have somebody like Addison who potentially could have 10 touchdowns. Yeah. Right. I mean, he could go off on a ceiling play. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You could potentially have a thousand yards, or he could hit in that 600 range with maybe a couple, maybe a couple touchdowns. Those eight flower projections. Yeah. And so, this is where you just decide about your format. Right? Yeah. If you're yep. in best ball, I'm shooting for the ceiling. All, that's, that's the point of it, right? You have to. And if I'm at home leagues, I'm probably being a little more conservative. I'm going to mm-hmm. go with, with, with the veteran. Now, if all the guys ahead of it were ceiling plays and I went for the ceiling in the beginning, then maybe I go back down to the mean. So I think it's yeah. a lot of it has to do with roster construction as well. Yeah, that definitely uh, is a good way to go about it. You, know, you want to do a little of this, a little of that. But let me ask this. Is a little. We've been having some wine here in case we've been having some beers. Do you ever draft a team? You know, after you have a nice glass of wine, you're feeling, you know, the confidence at the top, and you go, you know what? We're going ceiling, baby. Pedal to the metal, all ceiling. So it's funny because inside our home league, I've won the last five years, and one of the guys said, hey, next year, we're going to make Billy drink a bottle of wine before the draft starts. (laughs) And my... One of my best friends in town knows me too well and says, that's how he drafts every day. You just gave him a superpower. We, we need to make him sober when he drafts to take away his, yeah. his creativeness, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, like, for me, it's like I, I'm not an alcoholic by any standpoint, but I do love my wine. And and so yeah. it's just drafting routine. I go and grab a bottle of water. I grab a bottle of wine. I'm sitting there pouring. The bottle of wine is usually gone before the draft's over. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm liking the projections. I'm liking where the, the, the draft yeah. is flowing. It's just just getting your mood, man. You're great. It is. And if you take that away from me, I'm I'm, I'm just kind of honed in. I'm you're, up, you're too much up here. Yeah, the, brain, the, the wine allows the body to sync with the mind. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's that perfect inebriation that gets you, all right, babe, we're feeling it. I, and you're not wrong. I feel like, and this is probably the alcohol talking, <laughs> I feel like most drafts when you're when you're feeling loose, you get the vibes going. Things fall. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer, it is 920 local time, and that is coffee. There's so no clue. <laughs> we do have an early draft day. Day three does start early, so the wine will start early, but just not quite yet. we got to get yeah. through the game plan first. So if the projections are similar on a running back and a receiver, 
which one do you typically lean? Do uh, you know? Is there a particular situation where running backs tend to cash on their projections or receivers, something like that? And when you say somewhere, you're talking about like maybe they're both slotted for you know like maybe thirty percent of the yeah well, receivers like at thirty percent, but no, no, no. But like to, to the, the fantasy point out, output is relatively similar. And let's say like this is towards the beginning of the draft, so yeah. it is kind of like you're dealing between two good players. Because at the end, you know, people just kind of have their preferences of whether they want lottery ticket receivers, lottery ticket running backs, so yeah. on and so forth. But in the beginning, where do you typically lean, running back or receiver, off your projections? It's oh, a really good question. Um, again, it's roster construction, but I of think course, it, right. I, I think I typically favor the running backs just because they have a more direct route to success. It's mm-hmm. easier to kind of chop up the pie, right? Right. Where receiver comes in, and even someone like. Jason or Addison, they're going to be listed as number three or four in the depth chart. Yep. Right. Right away. As much as I like Addison, I'm projecting him ahead of KJ Osborne. He's going to be listed behind KJ Osborne in the depth oh, chart. Oh, no doubt about it. Right. And, right. And so, but you someone like, you know, Charbonnet who comes in, not in the best situation, but, you know, they, now that similar draft capital, I get into some of these drafts, some of these players, and he's only playing behind one person, mm-hmm. right? He's going to have a little bit more of a direct route to success in year one. Yeah. At least from a touch perspective for sure maybe not a fantasy perspective. getting a piece of that pie that you're getting the about. piece of the pie right and so that's what we want fantasy is about opportunity mm-hmm. and when you have a running back coming in playing behind only one other player who's potentially could get you know it's a running back position could get injured whatever it may be yep. there's more else to success at the running back position you look back at like mitchell's rookie season in the niners he was like yeah. number three or four in the depth chart right everyone dropped him week one to pick him up in week two yeah because Everyone's thinking, man, there's no Trey way Sermon. there's no way we're gonna have all these outs hit at once mm-hmm. where there's going to be at least a build to of being able to get this guy into a role. And then of course it's the Niner backfield and everybody got hurt. <laughs> and the next thing you know, he's starting running back. But yeah, again, running backs have more outs mm-hmm. and and have a chance to actually become fancy relevant sooner. Now, there's just situations like Addison or even talent like JSN where we have to weigh that as well. And yeah. So, uh, to answer your question, the long-winded answer is I typically lean running back mm-hmm. just because of the outs. The outs, yeah. And on top of that, I mean, I remember the week one of that season was, what, 2021, right? Yeah, so. It was opening day, opening Sunday, and it was a late scratch for Trey Sermon that opened the door for Elijah Mitchell. And you were talking about outs. You hardly see late scratches yeah. for the wide receiver room. So that is off the table. So when we're talking about past touches, past the opportunities, yeah. running backs tend to have more, I mean, not likely, but more likely than a receiver Correct. to have that, whoa, whoa, who's starting? Who's playing? Yeah. Kyle Shanahan, he's a madman. So, I, okay, running backs. I got to keep that in mind because I do tend to always kind of skew receiver, including in my redraft. And I think the times I've won is when I've bucked that trend, when, I've, when the guys I wanted weren't there and I had to go running back. But it ends up working. Yeah, we call it paint ain't green. Like so, like, and we do this a lot inside tournament play. We do it a lot in even home leagues. And so, mm-hmm. what'll happen is build out your roster, and it would typically favor you the zero running back or or, or hero running back, right? Right. And then at the end, we we call paint it green because it's just a sea of green stickers for running back, <laughs> and it's literally just six six of your last seven picks or last eight picks, right? Are You're just peppering. lottery running backs, yeah. Right. It's it's people who we like the talent. Mm-hmm. Didn't maybe necessarily like the landing spot, but mm-hmm. number two or three in the depth chart, maybe four, like mm-hmm. Mitchell's case was. And we're just kind of praying for lightning in a bottle, right? Right. And if it hits, though. Oh, then you smash. Then you smash. Yeah. And now you, you have destroy your league. One or an RB2 mm-hmm. in like round 18 or 19. Yeah. And it's just the advantage, the positional advantage that you have over somebody 
who took all those early running backs who are now trying to hit on late receivers right. where, the, where the, the, the bust rate is a lot higher. For sure. It creates positional advantages and it helps you really dominate your leagues. There was a conversation earlier here at the Draft House about where do we go with running backs. I remember you explicitly saying that you trust your projections enough that you like peppering the end of the draft with running backs because you trust your projections. That's why projections can be so important yeah. because it gives you that confidence to go with a little bit more – Maybe could run wide receiver there than the thick of the rounds and just bam, 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 just hit the running back late. Because when we talk about ceiling output versus floor output, right? That ceiling output for that running back is so much higher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Game changing. It, it's it literally is game changing. It's 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 going to alter the waiver wire if mm-hmm. if he's on the waiver wire. It's going to alter the playoff situation because these rookies take time to develop. Yeah. And as they, you start noticing, like. Second half of the season, down the stretch, this is where these guys really come on strong because they're getting acclimated to NFL speed. They're starting to get comfortable in their system. Yep. They've earned the, 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 the trust of the coach and the quarterback. They're right. getting more touches, and then boom, baby. Yeah, and I mean, that's Tyler Algier, right? Yeah. Tyler Algier, last year, he was he went crazy at the end of the season, was a league winner for some. We ended up with over 1,000 yards, but... For 200 carries. 200 carries for him in 2022. Nuked by Bijan. Gets absolutely nuked by Bijan Robinson. <laughs> Stick around. We're going to go ahead and play this FFPC ad by the Podfather. But then we are going to dive into the 2023 class a little bit more in depth. You know, people always ask me, hey, what is the, the World Series of Fantasy or the Super Bowl of Fantasy Football? And it's easy. It's the FFPC, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. It's a $6 million prize pool, and they've had their never-too-early best ball leagues cranking since February. And so the FFPC is the answer to so many questions. Hey, hey, where's the best place to get a dynasty orphan? Well, you can adopt a dynasty orphan at the FFPC. That's why we partner with them. If you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, seasonal, best ball, dynasty, go to the FFPC. See, and don't forget promo code Underworld to get you $25 off your first team. $25 off your first team, no matter what team it is, no matter what format it is, at the FFPC. Go do it. We're back. We are back. Talk about the 2023 rookie class and Billy Muzio's projections. So I'd like to ask you this. Name me a player that you were most surprised by when you saw their projections. Let's start with the positive. Let's start on a good note. It's early in the morning. Let's start with positive, and then we'll hit these people with some negatives. Yeah, we just talked about his name, I, and I, I love the landing spot in his Addison, right? So we take a look. I'm going to pull up the projections here, so just bear with me. Jordan Addison projected for a 17% target share. I think you could, maybe if you wanted to like really dissect it, you could argue it may be a percent high or a percent half too high. We're, End of the day, that's only going to be like seven to ten targets on right. number wise. But only rookie we have projected for 100 targets right now. So 100 targets projected for 800 yards, 802.7 to be exact, and projected for 5.2 touchdowns. It brings him in at the run at the wide receiver rankings at wide receiver number 41. We actually have him ahead of Odell Beckham Jr. Two spots ahead of JSN. We have him ahead of you know Alan Lazard, Darnell Mooney. We actually have him one spot ahead. Marquise Brown. Oh, and that oh, so, ooh, that's music to your ears because ja- that Addison will come at a value in home leagues, right? Your ESPN ranks, your standard league sleeper ranks, he will probably be behind a lot of the names like JSN, like potentially even K- 
Kadarius Tony, Rashad Bateman, like these guys that have some name value, he could be below them, but we're talking about a top 45 receiver potentially. Yeah, and 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 so to just put in perspective, like this is around George Pickens. This is around Cortland Sutton range, mm-hmm. right? And again, it goes back to the, the volume, the expected pass plays that we're seeing inside of the Vikings offense. Top eight again this year. Right. They throw the ball where, you know, you look at teams like Jason, they're not throwing as much, but – in particular, I want to talk about J- J- uh, Jordan Addison over Marquise Brown because DeAndre Hopkins is, is is kind of this elephant in the room, right? He still hasn't been traded. Still hasn't been traded. So we, up until last night, like we had to redo the entire Arizona Cardinals offense last mm-hmm. night as picks came in because when we have preseason, we have placeholders, yep. right? Because mm-hmm. we, we're going off news, we're going off free agencies, but – you can't just not give the guy any touches if he's in Frazier. You know he's going to sign somewhere. Right, right of course. And in this situation, he was still on the team, but they were talking about getting trading him. So it's not like you can just remove his target share out of the pie because now you go to your rankings and DeAndre Hopkins isn't listed. Right. right. So we have to give him this placeholder. So we gave him his you know, 22 and a 23% target share. Well, when we started seeing they hadn't traded him yet, they took another receiver. Now right. They have to adjust this pie. It, before Marquise Brown was at like 22, 23%. Now we have to start adjusting down because he's still on the team. Right. And so prior, Marquise Brown was in like the high 30s. So he dropped 10 spots. They selected Wilson. They come in. Yeah. They still have Hopkins. And so this is when the projections actually like kind of really change. Because yeah. It, now you now we have to kind of throw out all the speculation. Okay. Now we have like actual data, math. We have landing spots. Right. We have to start really adjusting. And so – People may not like that effect that I have Marquise Brown in like the 40 range right now. Yeah. But we have to look at the quarterback situation as well, right? We have no Kyle to begin the season. Mm-hmm. That was if they have a game at all. School, right? He's not throwing the ball deep all game. No, no. And so there's – this is, like I said, a mean projection for Addison. Realistically, if I'm doing a ceiling projection, he could be in that wide receiver 28, 29, 30 range. And, and, and that takes him, you know, up where near Tyler Lockett, you know, Traylon Burks, right? Again, it's Ooh. a pass volume. And yeah. so there's there's a lot of different outs that he has, and I love the landing spot. It, that's why sometimes it is nice to pepper in drafts at certain points because projections kind of allow you to get advantage or fade somebody where you might be exposed because you like the talent. You might want to grab this guy because his track record, but when you pop, pop in the projections, you look at the rankings, you realize like, oh, maybe it's not a good idea to, to reach on a Hollywood Brown when there are so many red flags in his projections. Yeah. No, 100%. Now, which guy from uh, the early landing spots of day one and day two surprised you in a, in a way because it was so bad? It was just not as good as you were projecting or um, thinking. Kendrick Miller. Oh, interesting. Kendrick Miller. I would like talk to me about Kendrick because I love me some Kendrick. Love Kendrick. Don't like where he landed. Right? Okay. You could say the same thing about Gibbs, right? And so For sure. But let's talk about Kendrick because Gibbs at least is projected to play ahead of Swift for now, right? Where yeah. Kendrick is coming in. He's playing behind Alvin Kamara until he's suspended. Right. And we don't know that yet. We yeah. don't know what it'll be, when it'll be. But when we're doing projections, we have to account for it. Okay. Right. And so right now we have a six game suspension placed in there for Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and it's based upon, you know, other offenses that are, and this one's kind of unique, but it's based upon other types of offenses and where those games have landed. And it's the NFL, so they'll probably just do whatever they want. <laughs> but we have to at least account for something. Yeah. Right? You got to put something in there, like those placeholders you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. It's a placeholder. And so 
we gave him a six game suspension on, on the numbers. Yep. So that's where Kinder Miller is actually opportunity is going to come in more. For sure. Right. I think them selecting him also states that they're expecting a suspension. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. They so, used an early pick. They used a round two pick on him. Right. It was around three. Day so, two pick, we'll say. Day two pick. Yeah. Can't, can't miss if you say day two. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, we have had a lot of fun here. You've seen the videos. You know how much fun we're having. Why am I diving that far into the weeds? Just say day two <laughs> and move on. Keep it moving. Day two pick. Day two pick, baby. And, uh, I mean, they gave Jamal Williams $4 million a year, so they're going to use Right, him. of course. You know, and, and he just came off, you know, a career year for him. Absolutely. And so when we look at the numbers, like, I, I don't like where they came in. And I liked Kendra Miller as a talent. Yeah. Um, but from an opportunity standpoint, he came in at, like, running back number – 57. Ooh. Right? Okay. And so he's he's behind Clyde Edwards Larry. He's behind Zeke Elliott. He's behind, he's behind who? <laughs> but as those guys as of today are still projected for, you know, a yeah. 20 to 5 to 30% rush share. Where Kendra Miller, he came in here. He's going to see He came in on his, his touch share at... 24% of the, of the rush share. That's 96 targets or 96 rush attempts, yeah. right? And although we love the talent, the opportunity isn't there. Yeah. And it will be there the second half of the season. So this is where you have to look at now ceiling output. Yep. Because let's just say that Alvin Kamara tries to fight the suspension and he pushes it, pushes it, pushes it, and he's suspended the second half of the season. Ooh. Is Kendra Miller time to get reps of the team? Yep. Acclimated NFL speed. Trusted the coach. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, he's taken off where it matters most. But if that's especially in the beginning of the year, I think they lean more on the veteran. For sure. Right? They're going to lean on Jamal Williams. They're going to give Taysom Hill a ball because that's what they do. They just got a new quarterback, so they might chuck it more. Yeah. And so we have to look at that as well, the production side. Mm-hmm. So when you do ceiling projection, floor projection, mean projection, I don't like two of the three for Kendra Miller. Yeah. We have to we have to, we have to at least be oh, 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 dang. But you know what? Make sure you're 2023. <laughs> not, not dynasty. Great point. That's exactly what I was just going to say. <laughs> Keep in mind, though, this we this is a 2023 redraft conversation. Correct. In Dynasty, you're still taking Kendra Absolutely. at the end of the first round in one QB. Uh, you're taking him at no later than the early part of round two in Superflex if – Will Levis, if you're drafting with Cody Carpenter and, and Will Levis goes <laughs> fifth overall, you so you mean one overall? He's <laughs> right. Yeah, what am I doing? Oh, I'm. <laughs> see, it's been it's been a great weekend. It's been a long weekend. The brain is just happening. So uh, yeah, no, that's a good point because the redraft. I think Kendra, the name, the style. People remember the 1400 rushing yards. People remember him in you know throughout the TCU historic season. Your home leagues are gonna bump him up. They're gonna think they can reach on him. Whereas Addison is the opposite. I feel like that would be a little bit lower in the early, uh, uh, you know, the list for drafting where you can get an advantage taking him over a uh, Hollywood Brown passing on him, something like that. Of course we can. We love talking to people in the chat. So the fantasy plumber, he says there needs to be a much bigger gap between (laughs) if he... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if he he might have been we did need two plumbers threw him, threw him at the draft house but he's asking there needs to be a much what he's saying he's not really asking there needs to be a much bigger gap between addison and jsa you want to elaborate on that yeah so from like looking at it through a lens i can see why you say that however again looking at the target share right the Vikings, although they pass a lot more, and we like the landing spot of Addison, 
they still have KJ Osborne, who's, I mean, yep. in my opinion, he's not Tyler Lockett, right? No, he's but he's a, he's a guy in the system, and you know, you know, how but they football have is KJ Hawkinson, right? Who was a volume monster a last volume year? Volume monster last year, who's going to see roughly twenty two percent of the targets for sure. Yeah, where Noah Fant, on the other hand, inside Seattle, is going to see you know. 10 percent yeah well disley gets too many snaps over there yeah disley's getting snaps. <laughs> he's so, taking that away you know yes they're competing against two receivers two top 30 receivers right. inside of the you know seattle seahawks offense now you're competing against the number one receiver the number two tight end in my rankings yeah and now another top 50 receiver right right and right so Cook's still on the team. I know we're expecting to be traded, but also involved in the passing game, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a – I can see from, like, outside looking in, JSN probably should be, like, eight, ten spots lower in the wide receiver right. rankings. But the Alice of success, the piece of the pie, right. how it lays out from a – just a volume standpoint, they're pretty – they're closer than people think. For sure. And like you said, the outs. There are – you know, there's still outs where – JSN can ascend to maybe more of his projection, his ceiling projections. Yeah, exactly. He's got the talent and he's in a good offense. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like that. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Fantasy Plumber. And if uh, next, we, you will be on call uh, at next year's draft house because <laughs> apparently uh, we can't have a draft house without, uh, you know, the septic backing, backing up uh, into our recording area, which wasn't the, uh, the, the, how we envisioned things. But we pivoted, make it work. That's what we do here at Player Profile. We make it freaking work. Let me ask this: Whose landing spot great, great affected their twenty twenty three projections the most? So, uh, whether it be positively or negatively, you had something in your mind. You tapped in the landing spot. You brought in all that information. And you go, huh? That changed quite a bit. Can I say veteran too? You can say both. Absolutely, that would be great. Yeah, let's. I mean, we could do the same team. Even. We could talk about Charbonnet and Walker. Right. Good one. That I think the people want to hear about Charbonnet Walker. So let's pull up let's pull up the numbers. So let's go over to the NFC West, right? Um, that's that's your that's your division. That's my division. That's that's where where the Niners just destroy people. But let's head on over to <laughs> no biases, no biases. Um, <laughs> Maybe a little. But people that tune into the game plan knows that Mr. Kiwum has his own biases. <laughs> I saw DJ Moore's projections and I almost launched this very nice machine into the wall. So again, that's volume. Right, it's volume based, and I just I, I'm unrealistic for DJ Moore. So prior to Charbonnet being selected, and it's not like we didn't have a running back going. Well, we were expecting a for back sure, to go for sure. We just weren't expecting it to be Charbonnet. Right? People's running back three. Yeah, and and so from a dynasty perspective, it, it's 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 a real downer. We talked about mm-hmm. the projections that we read off. Right, this got people just in a in a in a pretty blue mood, but. Kenneth Walker dipped just outside the RB1 category, right, where before he was projected for like 240, 250 touches, mm-hmm. right? just rushing attempts, I should say, where now he's at 49% of the rush share, which is a 210 rushing attempts. Charbonnet comes in at just like 32% of the rush share, right? So not a lot, 137 rushing attempts. He gives him 600 yards as a rookie, which is, you know, not a bad year for a rookie, but mm-hmm. it eats into a little bit of – Kenneth Walker's opportunity, right? He was very explosive, so he, we still have to be keep that in mind. It's, yeah. Yards per carry are still going to be high. He's still going to see a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. So it's not like it destroyed Kenneth Walker, but now it took him into a, uh, an area where, like, people were locking him in in, like, middle round two to end around two. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, where, he was in the conversation for the first three running backs off the board. Right? Well, now you have somebody like Pollard who was going after him who has escaped the draft. So far, yeah. So far. So far. Right? And – even if they add backs now, it's it's less of a threat. For sure. 
right? So Walker moved from like my RB9 to like my RB13. And it's not a massive move, but it is now into an, like another tier. And he's at the top of that tier where he was at the bottom of the previous tier. Yep. And it's very close. However, from an opportunities perspective and from an overall fantasy perspective, it's enough just to kind of make you kind of a little bit hesitant mm-hmm. to take him in round two like he was going. Right. And we like the talent. We love we love his opportunity still. But having a look over your shoulder at Charbonnet, maybe he gets more involved. Again, these are mean projections. What if they like Charbonnet? Mm-hmm. What if he comes in and he starts taking over all of the passing work? Right. Absolutely. Because he's a legit three down back. What if they come in and say, hey, we're going to run between the 20s more with Charbonnet. We're going to get Walker down more on the goal line. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of different and this is just, you know, hypothetical questions and situations. But it makes you really wonder how they're going to work out this backfield. Again, this is a projection. These are subject to change with news of camp. With you know, once we get into preseason, we can see some games. We can see them in action. pads. right. These are all subject to change, of course. But from an original from an initial projection standpoint on draft weekend, it affects Walker and it affects Charbonnet's outlook in 2023 big time. Right. I mean, it absolutely deflated Zach Charbonnet's value. Yeah. RB3, RB4, RB5, however you put him in your rankings, he was a you know, top five guy in the rookie class. We did a mock draft last night, all the guys from Player Profile here. He fell into round two. He was, the, I think, the 13th overall pick in that draft. So it was a, a bit of a slide where a guy we've been seeing go 105, 106 in one, in one QB. Uh, but the fantasy plumber is still in the chat, and he has a question. Is Kenneth Walker still a top six dynasty running back? I think so. I think he's right there on that, on that kind of – But it's on the line now. He's on the line now, yeah, <laughs> where before he was kind of locked in. For sure. I think an argument could be made each way. So I, I'm still comfortable taking him in that range. We're still expecting, you know, when we say – I said uh, rushing attempts earlier. If you still consider his his target share in the passing volume, um, that's going to get him close to 250 total touches. Right? Yeah. And so it's not like it's chump change. Right? No, it's good volume it's still. It's good volume. It's just not 300 touches. Now. And it's more delicate now yeah. because there is, like you said, there are now more negative – can you have negative outs? <laughs> is that a thing? A negative outs a thing? Wait, I, like, you just don't have outs. You just, okay, so you now have less outs from him being the full bell cow because Zach Charbonnet, you know, gets the draft capital, is the prospect that, you know, has been highly touted. And Pete Carroll thought, you know what, we just drafted Kenneth Walker about the same range last year, but you know what, YOLO, we're going to go get Zach Charbonnet. So absolutely a little bit more delicate in those projections. Who are you now targeting? Somebody that you may not have been targeting just a few days ago, but now you are full on targeting in redraft leagues. What rookies really kind of got you? And if you got a vet too, go ahead and throw them out there. I don't normally go after rookie tight ends, but a lot of leagues I play in are tight end premium, so they have to be considered. Yeah, oh, for sure. And so I look at somebody like Laporta now, who came up to like tight end 29, and it's nothing like, ooh, tight end 29, right? But it, <laughs> yeah. it, but now you have to at least consider them in tight end premium leagues, mm-hmm. right? And, and and if you have pleasantly surprised with where the projections landed just because, again, they don't have another, they don't have any other tight ends. They don't have um, James Williams for six weeks. Mm-hmm. He's a lot of outs now. Right? And they haven't gone receiver. We thought they were going to go receiver at this point. They've had, what, 32 draft picks in the first two days, but they haven't gone receiver. So if I'm, you know, late in drafts and I haven't taken tight end and it was a tight end run and here we go, we're on the corner and the quarter's on the board, I pull the trigger because he has outs. And I, again, I don't really love rookie tight ends the rookie year, but 
it's at least when they have a, a path to success, at mm-hmm. least a direct line of snaps and a direct direct amount of of of, of um, you know receptions. It has it has to get your attention. So, someone who kind of rose up my initial thoughts here, someone that I'm now targeting in Dynasty and I'm going to be targeting in redraft is Chickaquonquil. Oh, you said rookies. I would have said Chico. Well, I will. Well, that I said rookies so that I could pull the opi dope and bring them up. Super athletic tight end. They do get a quarterback in Tennessee, Will Levis. They don't bring in any additional pass catchers. Last year, three point two six yards per out run, fourteen point one yards per reception. 9.8 yards per target. Both all three of those metrics are top two amongst qualified tight ends. He wasn't really a, a fantasy monster last year by any stretch. Tight end 31 on a points per game basis. But we're talking about a kid 4.52 speed, 92nd percentile speed score. Now he has a new quarterback. Should I start getting excited for for Chig? Because I've already thrown out multiple trade offers in my leagues. Yeah, I still think we have to project Ken Hell as a starter until he's either traded or it's announced differently. And, and okay. inside the projections right now, we have it as a six-game start for Will Levis, an 11-game start for Ryan Tannehill right now. Um, I know we don't want to hear that, but it's that's kind of where it, it sits as of today. Mm-hmm. Um, we were doing this last night. We were updating the Tennessee Titans because prior to last night, we were expecting them to take a receiver. For sure. I mean, that th- it was like a foregone conclusion. We Potential round one receiver, all this stuff. Potentially a tight end and run more 12 personnel. Mm-hmm. It hasn't happened. Right. And so we were looking at this, and we still had 17% target share unaccounted for in our projections. Oh, wow. So we have to start That's now, a big pot, piece of the pie, right? big piece of the pie. So we have to start at least now issuing it mm-hmm. to the current roster, right? It, and we're probably going to get somebody here in day three. We're going to be able to give them, you know, roughly 7 to 8% of the target share now. DeAndre Hopkins might come right on in and just smush the rest of that pie, take some other people's God, pie. so gross for him, though. Yeah, it would. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they haven't moved Henry, right? There was talks about Henry being moved. And so they did get out and get Tajay Spears, which, you know, we give him a, a small piece of the pie. No, n- nothing large. But mm-hmm. Chico moved way up in the rankings because now he was given, <laughs> you know, 2.5% more of the target share. Right, he went from right. 14% target share guy, 15% roughly to more of a 17% target share kind of guy Ooh. that takes him into the 80 target range. They've, right, that's nice. And yeah. we the and metrics I just brought up are all efficiency metrics, so now you're telling me he's going to get some volume with that yeah. efficiency? Now we're expecting the volume. We're expecting Ooh. him to continue with the catch percentage being a little closer to 70%. Right? We, we, we dinged a little bit just because the volume's there. Um, but his yards per reception come down slightly. He's not going to maintain 14 yards per reception. Of course, reception, of right? course. Um, but that gets him in the 700, 700 yard range. Gives him a you know roughly four and a half touchdowns. And again, this is conservative, mm-hmm. but that puts him back now that up to tight end ten in our end. Oh, get yourselves some Chickaquonka right now. Now's the time. Before actually, you know, if they take a late round tight end receiver or something, use that as your potential buy window in dynasty. Yeah, but I think in redrafts, he's somebody I'm targeting. I think it's safe to say that he's the number two option in the passing game as of today, beginning of day three. Number two option in the passing game. Yeah. And it's and it's by a significant margin. I mean, number three in the projections right now is Nick Westbrook Keen. Like, what do we do? <laughs> right. And so <laughs> Yeah, no more Bobby Trees, right? He's not there anymore. Yeah, even Bobby Trees is, you know, a fallen tree. And yeah, he's, he's been around a long time. Yeah, and so, he's one of those redwood trees you guys up in your neck of the woods, right? Those big ass old thousand year old trees. No, he's more like a dead oak tree. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no. <laughs> So Chico immediately now is the number two option inside Tennessee. Yeah. You still have to 
you know, take that with a grain of salt because the expected pass volume is lower compared to yep. somebody like the Vikings or somebody lower than the Bengals or, you know, or the Chargers. And so you have to consider all, all those factors, but got to love what they – he's escaped the draft right now. Absolutely. So we got a super chat. Shout out to you, Joshua Rosen. Hope you're enjoying all the player profile content coming out here from the Draft House Live. He's in a 1QB Dynasty PPR league. In this league, he says he has Trevor Lawrence. Good for you. I love me some T-Law. He has the second overall pick in the rookie draft. Bijan is obviously going first, but he would like you to rank Addison, JSA, Kincaid, and Gibbs. This is Dynasty. I'm going Gibbs. Okay, Gibbs. Interesting. Again, I lean interesting in these scenarios, right? But and I think that it also depends. Let, let me just emphasize: if you're shooting to win earlier, you're going to want Gibbs, who's going to give you a better chance at at production earlier in his career. Where right. You're going to need some a year for JSN to really kind of ascend. You're going to need a year for Addison to really ascend. Though Addison, I think, is arguably number two could be considered number two in some of these leagues. Yeah. Eileen Gibbs, because we know Swift is either one going to be traded or gone this year, or even if he stays, they hate him. They hate him. <laughs> they hate him. They were running just Jackson ahead of him last year. Oh, you know, he's, he's just this fragile man that can't stay on the field. And then yeah. you look also at we're at the end of his contract Yep, where Gibbs is going to come in and, and have a pretty significant amount of touches right now he comes in right now yeah. originally as our rb28 inside the projections Ooh. um so Ooh. He, he's ahead of ahead of david montgomery actually mm-hmm. i think that it's very 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 close so you know if if, if you don't don't start you know keyboard worrying at me that it's too high but it's i, I think that <laughs> this backfield is messy until we see someone yeah it is messy it's a three-headed monster it's very similar to what we just talked about inside the saints um, but I think that he has a lot of outs to success in year one mm-hmm. and endless amounts of success moving forward. I mean, he got that that top 12 draft capital. Theo was yeah. talking about it yesterday on the stream, and he tweeted out, that draft capital, you put yourself in a class of true elite performers in fantasy. The one outlier being Ryan Matthews, but if you go back in time, Ryan Matthews was a damn good fantasy player for some time. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like guaranteed volume, right? Yeah, right. Don't, guaranteed pie, baby. We don't select you top 12 and not you. Of course. And did you see that draft room? I mean, I know they're intense. That's an intense group of guys. Yeah. But, I mean, they were hugging like they just won World War II. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to lie. I, I love Swift. Oh, who didn't? I, everyone loves Swift. He was, you know, our running back three in Dynasty for, you know, the, his first two years over at Player Profile because his efficient, even last year, he was still crazy efficient. He shows flashes, but he's just not Dan Campbell's cup of tea. Yeah, if, if, and I think it breaks down injuries, and if, if his body could withstand it, I mean, yeah. and if he was given the volume like Alvin Kamara was given, you could be talking about potentially the RB1. Absolutely, no doubt. His but skill set is crazy. But the injuries have been there. His body probably can't handle it. They just don't like him, right? I thought it was Staley, but now it's just the Lions don't like him, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And so we we have to be seriously concerned. And so until he's moved, you know, he's he, I think he dropped like running back 48 or something. So complete avoid if they don't move him. Because yeah. it is one year left, right? They could just like, we're not getting anything for him. We don't like the return. Let's just have him on the depth chart. I don't want to talk about a world where he's not moved. <laughs> we don't want to get this sad this early in the morning. <laughs> Well, it's just it's because then it's really gonna then it will affect Gibbs more. Now I have to look because I'm projecting Swift to be moving now, and it yeah it's, it's yeah. kind of a dangerous game to project people to be traded. But we have to consider the fact that 
teams are calling for him. Yeah. We still have another we, our day of draft here. Right? There's a lot of there's a lot of moving pieces still. And yep. I, there's no way, in my opinion, they're just going to keep him on the roster for selecting Gibbs at you know top twelve. Right. And they just signed David Montgomery, so they have two running backs that they obviously love. They've had zero issue using Craig Reynolds, Justin Jackson. You don't need DeAndre Swift as your running back three when you could get something for him. Because if not, you're going to let him walk for nothing. And that's the age-old get something while you can. Before I let you go, I do want to give Josh one last chance for to give him the, the clearest answers. He says his running backs are, I imagine, Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall, Isaiah Pacheco. Shout out to Isaiah Pacheco. DJ Moore, I'm hoping that's DJ Moore, Pittman, and Hollywood Brown. Are you still going Gibbs with that, that roster? Taylor, Hall. So he's got definitely got a little bit better running backs here. I mean, I would argue he's got better receivers because Hall, I mean, I love Because DJ Moore's the best. That's what you're saying, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think it just is just because I love Hall and I love Taylor. They're both, you know, RB1s, but there's no reason to rush Hall back. None. Not with Aaron Rodgers in town. In my opinion, the need for running back on this team is higher because you have, you still have outs with Moore. You have outs with Pittman. You have outs with Hollywood Brown, where if they limit Hall for four weeks, you only have Taylor. Yeah, because I mean we're not out of the neck, we're not out of the woods on Pacheco either yet. No, we're yeah. not. Yeah, and so I mean I like Pacheco, but I mean at least this gives you an opportunity, and then you can fill in. Now I think that landing spots. I think there's some other receivers. <laughs> it kind of goes against what I was saying earlier, but there's some outs at receiver in this draft mm-hmm. where. The running back outs in terms of landing spot for at least year one production yeah. are excellent. Like Charbonnet, like they don't like the landing spot, right? Kendrick Miller don't like the landing spot, right? Right, where you can go through and look at some of the receivers, and there's still some talented receivers on the board. Absolutely, yeah, and that come, could come in and may have a fantasy impact. Same with the running back. So I, I would say it's it's close, but I'm gonna probably just go with the running back in this situation. So I wanted to ask you about two specific players, and then I'm going to get you out of here because we got an action-packed day. Make sure you're tapping in, tuning in to d- Draft the, uh, Extravaganza Day 3 here at the Player Profiler House. Got everyone on board, and we will be back as the draft kicks off, so make sure you're tapped in for that. But I want to ask you about the uh, 2023 projections for two incoming rookies, Anthony Richardson and Jaden Reed. Tell me something good here. Oh, man. Let me take a look at um, Richardson. We don't have projected for a full season. Okay, um, that would make sense. I would, I would assume yeah. Gardner Minshew is going to, he's going to come in with that swag. He's probably going to be given the keys to the car to start the season. So, hey, there, there, it's okay. So Richardson, right now, we have projected for thirteen games. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is the majority of the season, but um, we do expect Gardner Minshew to at least start right now. And this is again something to change with Cam News, right? For sure. Um. We got to love the rushing upside. We haven't projected for 106 rushing attempts, um, 500 rushing yards, just under six rushing touchdowns. Um, he comes in on the quarterback rankings. Bear with me. Richardson comes in on the quarterback rankings of 24, but it is needs to be noted on a per game basis. If we were just going off points per game, that's somewhere in like the 13, 14 range. So you want to get him in your redraft at the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not as your starter, but as a guy to stash. Yeah, exactly, because when he's going to be on the field, he's going to have the upside. Right? Yeah. And he's going to, you know, that rushing volume is going to just keep him in, you know, his fantasy points inflated. Yeah. And what about Jaden Reed, and then we'll get out of here. 
Yeah, let me find Reed real quick. One because second. you know Jaden Reed is a favorite here in Player Profiler. Cody Carpenter and company, we, we he, he nailed him. He was on Jaden Reed from the Senior Bowl on, and we got the vindication from the draft capital where the Packers took him. Within, I think it was pick, round pick 50. He was on day two. It was the draft capital, the landing spot. Yeah. We loved it all. And the Packers are another team like the Titans who just had this – surplus of vacated targets right right um Jaden Reed it came in right after I was talking about how how high it was gonna be on Musgrave before because of the same reason yep right but Reed lands in Green Bay we have him as wide receiver 54 in the projections which is pretty aggressive that's actually. pretty good yeah you yeah know? I know that um, doesn't sound good on the surface but I'm looking at some of the names that he's around yeah that's he, it's pretty good you know, and this is mean this is not this upside you know Gabe Davis territory, it's Zay Jones territory, it's KJ Osborne, Nico Collins territory, mm-hmm. right? And then let's head on over to just the the raw projections. Um, we have projected for fifteen percent of the target share. That's eighty six point two targets. Uh, we have them for six hundred and ninety five receiving yards and four point one touchdowns. So uh, again, a lot of opportunity here inside Green Bay. You know, they did add Tucker Craft, they did add Luke Musgrave. So mm-hmm. we had to, you know. <laughs> Change the projection after we just did the projection. Like fast, 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 like, fast, it, fast. It was like it was like Musgrave. Oh, I'm so high on Musgrave. I love the landing spot. He's a Ben kid. I'm a Ben kid, right? We started like talking about this, and then it's like, okay, Jalen Reed, we got to adjust these projections now. And then it's like, oh, you took Tucker Craft too, yeah. You know? And then yeah, so it was like yeah. this team moved three times it's, in one it, night. It's like when your wife asks you to do an errand around the house, but you don't do it right, according to her. So she says, "Can you do that for me?" And you go, "Of course, babe. I love you. I'll do it for you." And you do it. She says, "No, and not that way." So you do it again. And you say, well, you kind of, did. all right, I'll do it again. And then don't forget about, and then I do it for the third time. Yeah, it's like asking your kids to clean. <laughs> oh, God, I want to, let's, we can't, you can't get this stress, high stress here in the morning. So thank you so much, Billy, for coming on the show. This was great. I think that everyone listening can take so much out of the value of projections and then why you should tap into Player Profile for R and Billy's and Dario's projections. So make sure you tell them where they can find you on socials, where they can get all your content, all that good stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at FFMusio. Um, all the rankings and projections on the site over at playerprofile.com are you know, done by myself and Dario, the man and the machine. We debate them weekly on the podcast That's as great well. Um, and um, you know, we're, we're constantly just pumping out lots of different stuff behind the scenes as well. But um, podcasting three times a week on, on, on the network and then getting these rankings out twice a week. And if you see FF Musio in your FFPC leagues, back out, baby, because you ain't winning. <laughs> I'm Matty Kewin. You can find me on Twitter at Matty Kewin. Make sure you're tapped in. Day three, NFL Draft Extravaganza kicking off 12 Eastern time. Make sure you're on our YouTube channel. Like this video. Please leave a comment and subscribe. We will see you next week. Peace. Hey, you like that video? Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.